What is up, Golden Bears, and welcome to another episode of the CSP Bears podcast. I'm your host, Tanner Peterson, and I'm excited that you decided to tune in with me today. In our last episode, I sat down with former CSP Bears, football and track athlete, and current CSP academic advisor, Adrian Perryman. Adrian and I talked and chuckled about his time as a CSP athlete, what he likes about his job in academic advising, and his absolutely amazing story as a volunteer for Super Bowl 52. I promise you won't regret listening to that episode. Where can you find the CSP Bears podcast, you might ask? The podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher. So please go download, subscribe, follow, or whatever you have to do to make sure you get your fill of Golden Bear Athletics. Here at the CSP Bears podcast, we like, we like to consider us a podcast by and for the people of Concordia. So we want you, the listener, to get involved. Please tweet at CSP Bears and send us your questions or even guest ideas, and we'll feature them on the podcast. We have been at this for just over two months, and we want to hear your feedback. Tweet us and let us know your questions, guest ideas, and how you're liking the CSP Bears podcast. We want to tell the story of Concordia Athletics and everyone that makes it so special. This week, I'm excited to have one of CSP's young budding athletes and sophomore cross-country star, Cara Lindbergh. Cara, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, it's good to be here. Cara is a sophomore at CSP and is a key contributor to the women's cross-country and track teams. Last week at the 2018 NSSC Championship race, she set a new 6K school record with a time of 22.29.3, breaking Amanda Mueller's record by 28.4 seconds, good for 27th place. That was 15 spots better than her conference run last year as a freshman. But before I get too far into your career as a Golden Bear, I want to back up for a bit. You grew up in Pine Island, Minnesota, correct? Yeah, that's right. So, but you didn't attend public school there. You were homeschooled, right? Yes. Can you kind of talk about what that was like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I loved being homeschooled. It was... Um, a really good experience and gave me a lot of flexibility as I was growing up. Um, and I was actually lucky to be able to compete, um, on a team still. And usually, um, as a homeschooler, you would, um, run for your area school, um, and be on that kind of team. But actually in Rochester, there's a huge percentage of, um, homeschoolers. And so we actually had some of our own sports teams. So I was able to run for the Rochester Jaguars, which was an all homeschool team. Um, so that was really unique because everyone on the team was in the same kind of position as me. Um, and we were able to, um, we were able to join the Minnesota state high school league and be able to compete at the section and state meets as well. So that was, um, I think a really unique opportunity that I had as a homeschooler. Yeah. What were some of the, I guess, what were some of the pros and cons of being homeschooled? Um, definitely one of the pros is flexibility. Um, being able to, you know, uh, make sure that I was getting my sleep if I needed to start school a little later or something like that. Or when we had races and stuff, I could be, um, a little more flexible with that. And honestly, just taking ownership of, um, my schoolwork and having to learn how to like teach myself. Um, I think that's really paid off in college. Just, um, that ownership that I was able to take, um, as I was growing up and knowing how to, um, really learn the things that interest me and, um, pursue those passions. So, I mean, I'm kind of new to the whole homeschool thing, but like, do your, were you taught by your parents or did you teach yourself or? Yeah. Well, when I was young, um, the parents are like very involved as, you know, you have to like teach them how to read and things like that. The, the simple stuff, it is really hands-on. Um, but as we got older and more independent, 
it would be more of mom would pick out the curriculum that we would use. Um, and then she would check in with me and obviously I'd have to submit, you know, papers and tests and everything to her. But, um, a lot of the learning would be on my own. I wouldn't be sitting there with her every day, um, teaching. It would be more of a teaching myself. So did you kind of get to almost pick and choose your curriculum? Say like, uh, say if I was really into accounting, could I kind of take an accounting class rather than your basic stats class? Yeah, absolutely. We definitely, um, especially when we were younger, mom would kind of tailor um, what we were doing to each of our interests and stuff. We do unit studies on kind of the things that um, we found really interesting. Like for instance, um, I was really um, into like animals and that kind of thing when I was younger. And so science, we would do units on, um, you know, biology of animals and that kind of thing. Um, and then as we got older, definitely tailoring it to, um, the things that you were interested in as well. Okay. So what was it like being homeschooled with your sister, Ruth? She's on the, she goes to school here at Concordia. She runs track and cross country and she was homeschooled as well. What was that like? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously we spent a lot of time together back when we were in high school. Um, Mm -hmm. and since we were close enough in age, we would do some of our classes together, kind of do the same things. Um, and so we definitely have been close all along and spent a lot of time together. When she left for college two years before I was out of high school, though, I would say we even became closer than um, once she was gone just because you, I realized um, how much I did value the time that we had spent together. Um, and that just made that even more special, I think. Yeah, I think I can definitely vouch for that. I think like I got closer with my brother when I moved away to college. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of value that sibling relationship a little yeah, bit more definitely but i'm really interested in your time with the the cougars was it or jaguars jaguars can you kind of talk more about that was that just like cross country and track or did the the jaguars have like other sports too yeah we had um there were some other homeschool sports um but they weren't associated with the jaguars they had a different name and were kind of under different leadership um but the jaguars was just cross country and track Um, Cross country was the sport that they started first. Um, I believe it's been almost 10 years. Um, And we had an area coach who used to coach at um, actually the Pine Island Public Schools. And he um, was homeschooling his daughters at the time. And he thought, how cool would it be to have a team for just homeschoolers um, and be able to have that atmosphere? So he he started the team. And that was back before I was on it. Um, But when I joined cross country my junior year of high school, um, they were technically kind of called a club team where they were invited to all the, um, the meets with area schools that were in the regular season, um, all the invitationals and stuff, but they weren't actually able to compete at the sectional or state meets because they weren't officially part of the cross, uh, state, uh, Minnesota state high school league. Um, but my junior year, it actually, um, the ball started rolling with that where, so, um, some teams were kind of questioning whether we were um, eligible to be at those other meets because we weren't in the state high school league. And that actually um, started everything with being able to be eligible for that. We had to do just a ton of paperwork and they really had to work closely with the officials at the state high school league to, um, to uh, okay the team as a part of that, because it is such a unique instance and so different than all the public schools. Um, But that was that was huge when we became um, a part of that and really brought the competition of the team up because we could um, go to those uh, qualifying meets mm-hmm. and um, just really be on equal footing with the other um, teams that we were with. Yeah, that's really cool. I didn't think that, I mean, 
coming from public school, I never really thought of like homeschool kids. I guess right when I played, they just came to your local area school. Yeah. But I never even thought about having just a team strictly of kids who are homeschooled, yeah. which I think is really cool. Yeah. So how did practices work? Was it pretty much you you were kind of on your own, or did you get together with a team? Yeah, we met for practice every day. Um, we had coaches that were, some of them were not parents. They were people that we had just found um, from personal connections and stuff. But some of the coaches were kids' parents, um, and we would rent out. Or um, for cross country, we just met at local parks. But um, for track, we had to find facilities to use, and we'd rent those out. Um, and uh, honestly, just like a normal team, meet for practice every day. We had our workouts and everything together, traveling to meets together, um, all that. So it was, it was, um, as much like a normal team as, as you'd expect, I guess. I gotcha. Did you compete in any other sports when you were in high school? Yeah. Um, starting in seventh grade, I was a volleyball player up until sophomore year of high school. Um, and that was actually why I joined cross country so late in my high school career because, Volleyball and cross country are both fall sports, um, and I loved volleyball, and I didn't think I ever wanted to quit, but I um, eventually, running really caught my eye, and I joined um, track as a freshman, and so once I started getting into track, uh, running on the track side, I kind of realized that that was where my gifts were, and I should probably switch over to fall running as well, Um, and then I was also a cross country skier in the winter from eighth grade all the way through senior year. Okay, very cool. So you only started running cross-country your junior year of high school, so you've been doing it for four years now, am I right? Yes. That's pretty impressive considering all the accolades you've achieved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, wow, that's pretty impressive. I didn't know that. (laughs) But um, so was it a big change when you came running from high school and then to college? Were there any big, I don't know, adjustments you had to make? Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely a change. I think any... Um, college athlete can attest to the fact that just uh, everything changes really with new coaches they have new training philosophies and new training plans and um, definitely it was a step up in terms of competition and um, mileage as well Um, our coaches have been good about being um, careful with not jumping too far but it is absolutely a huge step up from high school Um, just in the number of miles that I was running per week and then workouts just um the length of them and everything is just so much more bulky in college. Um, and then as well as having, uh, in high school, I never really did a lifting program and that was something that was new (laughs) for me. Um, I was a total novice in the weight room, still am, (laughs) but I'm working on it. Um, so that was another big change, but even just, um, having a closer team and uh, and a more competitive team as well in college was very different from high school where a lot of the people in high school are there for, you know, the social or just because it's fun. Um, and then college, you're you're on a smaller team, but everyone is so committed and passionate about it. Um, so that was that was a big change too, but definitely positive. Yeah, when you first came here on campus, you kind of instantly became one of the faces of the women's cross-country team. You seemed like you were finishing near the top nearly every race. Did you expect to have such a stellar freshman season? No, I really didn't. Um, And I was looking um, at the beginning of the season this year, we were talking about team goals and stuff. And I found my goal packet from uh, cross country camp of my freshman year went right away before we even showed up on campus. We were actually in Wisconsin for team camp. And uh, I 
I was looking at my goals and I shot a little low my freshman year, I think. <laughs> I didn't really realize um, how much, how well my body would just like respond to the training. Do you remember the goals by chance? Yeah. Well, one of them was to break 25 minutes in the 6K, which I have never run above 25. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then another was to be um, top five um, girls on the team the whole year. And again, I have never not been. Um, so they were kind of like, I was shooting for them as a like one time make it. Um, and it ended up being the regular. So I was absolutely not expecting to have um, such a good freshman season. But it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just um, is a testament to the training that Coach JV has and um, just how well that did end up working out for me. So, okay. Very cool. So when you were being recruited, were. What kind of went into your recruiting process? I know with your sister here, was it automatically, well, I'm just going to go to Concordia, or did you kind of, I don't think about going to a different school? Yeah. What was that like? It was definitely, um, I was not expecting to come to Concordia. In fact, because, just because my sister is here, we have a great relationship, but I, uh, as the youngest child in the family, wanted to, you know, do my own thing, pave my own way. Um, and so I remember telling my parents, I'm not even going to look at Concordia. Like (laughs) I'm doing my own thing. That was, and they, they, they were like, you know, it's a really good school. We think you should at least like they said one visit and we'll stop bugging you about it. Just go do one visit. And I was like, well, I've already been on campus a million times. Like I know what it's like. What's one visit going to do? But, um, I'd also been talking to the coaches a little bit. And they were like, okay, come for, come do an overnight visit with the team. Um, so I go and stay with one of the freshmen and you get to, you know, see the freshman dorms and stay overnight, hang out with the team, all that. And then I got to go to an indoor track meet with them the next day that they were competing in at the U of M. Um, and honestly that, that overnight visit really changed it all for me because I came in as a, okay, this is a one and done. I'm doing it to, (laughs) doing it to please the parents a little bit. Um, but it was really just because I hadn't seriously considered Concordia, um, and my recruit that, that, uh, visit was, or sorry, my host that visit, um, she just made me feel really welcome and hanging out with the team. I, I was sitting around, uh, just joking around with them and I looked around and I realized like I could see myself here. Yeah. And so by the time I left the next day, I, I went back and I told my parents, eh, you know, <laughs> I, I guess I'll, I'll keep them in the running for a while. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely wasn't expecting, um, to be here, but I just couldn't uh, picture myself anywhere else after a while, so. Okay. Is the individual that hosted you still on the team? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. I still, um, last year when, on on the team, it's kind of, um, it's kind of the freshman's job to host the recruits because we figure they're closest in age to the freshman and then, or to the recruits and then the recruits can um, see what the freshman dorms are like and that kind of thing, um, really just get a sense from the, of the team that way. Um, and so last year when it became kind of my job to be hosting people, I, I went to Tasha and I said, you know, like you were so good. You like gave us such a good picture of what the team was like and what life here was like and why you picked it. And she, she was able to be really, um, real with us about like, not just shooting all the positives and not telling us about anything else, but just give us like a really complete picture of the team. Um, and so she definitely helped us last year too. when we started being the hosts of, um, really how to handle that. Yeah. So from the way it sounds, it sounds like having your sister at Concordia wasn't nearly a really big pitch for you. It was more or less the opposite. You wanted to go somewhere where you could pave your own path, like you said, but 
here you are. Yeah, it was one of those things where it wasn't that I didn't want to be with her, but I wanted to do my own thing. Um, but then as soon as I realized that um, how much I liked it here, we talked about it, and and it ended up being a huge positive that we are in the same place. I um, I know that looking back um, on our college our college years, being able to like share those experiences and all the stories and the people that we know together and stuff um, will be really special for years to come. So, Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so I know you already kind of hit on the training style or the training intensity going from high school mm-hmm. to college. So can you vouch more for that? How big of a change is it going from being a homeschool student with Jaguars, right? Yes. And Jaguars, not the yeah. Cougars. <laughs> now being Golden Bear, we are kind of left as a leader of the team. Yeah. Well, um, I definitely, our, our team in high school wasn't, it was a pretty new team. Um, and so it wasn't super developed, the training program and everything. And so I would say I um, was a little bit undertrained in high school. Coming to Coming to school, it was a big jump for me. And I was really lucky that that didn't result in any injuries because that's a really common thing for freshmen um, because it is such a big step up in just the volume and the intensity of the training. Um, But I was lucky to not have any of that, which I think was a huge part of why I had such a successful freshman year that I didn't have to deal with any injuries and I wasn't missing any workouts or mileage or anything. Um, But it was a huge step up for me. I remember... um, when I started talking to Coach JB right after my um, senior track season when he was trying to develop my summer training program for before I showed up at school, um, he was asking me about what my training was like um, with the Jaguars. And I think, if I remember right, I was only running about 25, 30 miles a week. Um, and then in my freshman cross-country season, I made it up to 60 miles a week. Oh. And so that's, it's a huge jump. And I mean, my body felt that I was exhausted most of freshman year, but it's just kind of, um, one of those steps that has to happen. And, uh, I was just lucky to stay healthy. For sure. Wow. That's, what'd you say it was 30 miles that you were doing in high school and then it doubled to 60? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's quite the jump, I would yes. say. Do you have any pre-race routine or superstitions? Um, You know, I used to have a lot of pre-race um, routines and superstitions, and I was very, um, I was kind of a stickler about those. Um, one of them was, well, this is still partly, partly in place, but um, with Ruthie being on the team back in high school, um, we also... Um, we never actually ran cross country together because, um, she graduated before I joined the cross country team, but we ran track together. We were on relay teams together and, um, we did Nordic skiing together as well. And one of our things back in high school was that she would always braid my hair before meets. Um, and so that's kind of continued in college. She's, she's become the entire, uh, the, the hair braider for the entire team. So she's busy (laughs) on meet morning, um, getting everybody ready, but I have not run a race in a very long time, um, with anyone else doing my hair before. Okay. Um, so that, and I used to have a superstition that had to be double French braids. That was the only way I could race. That was all of freshman year, every weekend. Um, and then I used to have a certain pair of socks that I would also wear. Okay. So I had a lot of like very specific superstitions and I kind of decided to shake those up this year just because I figured I need to be a little bit more flexible (laughs) and what if I forget my socks or exactly, you know? And so, um, I've kind of been shaking those up this year and just trying different things and it's been fine. So, um, as far as those we're a little less, um, in the routine now. Um, 
But I mean, there's a lot of um, pre-race things that we always do the same as far as it, it changes when we're traveling versus when we're here close for a meet. Um, pre-race the day before, we always um, try to run the course if we can. Um, sometimes if if it's one of those meets where we're gonna um, we're not able to be on the course the day before, then we'll just do like a short run together as a team. But if we're able to be on the race course, then we do run that together as a team and everyone um, is like watching the course really closely to, um, you know, strategize for the next day and everything. So that's definitely part of the um, day before routine. Um, Day of, I don't have too many um, superstitions, but oh, our new new, um, team thing this year, and it started last year, but it's really um, a part of it this year now is the girls team is obsessed with glitter. And so we have, we always put glitter on the sides of our faces that um, we can't race without it now. Can't so I guess that's, that's a team superstition now. <laughs> okay. All right. Is that going to carry into next year? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, I'll have to look for it. Um, so it seems like with each meet, there's another record broken. I know when I was looking up your, seeing how you did the NSIC championship meet, I looked up and down the roster to see how uh, you guys all finished. And it seemed like uh, Carl Lindbergh, school record, uh, next person PR, next person PR, next person PR, up and down the roster. It seems like every week you guys are doing better and better. And that's also for the men's side. Can you kind of talk about the coaches and how they've managed to see the pro, how they've managed to have the program grow and how have you seen the program improve in the last two years you've been here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been really cool just seeing that improvement, and um, that's kind of a natural thing throughout the season that you want to see happen um, with the first couple meets are kind of just remembering what it feels like to race and really getting in shape and honing in on some of those um, race strategies and stuff. And so um, it's been awesome to see this year how um, that's really been working out leading up through conference, that every race is just getting better and better. Um we were blessed this weekend to have a really um, fast course, so that made the times come a little easier for sure, but I think also everybody was really just um, at their peak in terms of um, the training that the coaches have been giving us. Has really They've been really careful this year about planning it out, and um, just back in, back in August when we showed up for camp, um, even then they had this whole plan laid out all the way. Um, I've been following my mileage plan actually since uh, middle of May, um, up to through next week, um, that, that, um, the coaches had really started at what's the goals that we have for the team this season, um, and starting at that end picture and then, okay, what do we need to do to get there? And so everything they've been doing has been like really preparing us. Um, and they'll talk about that. They've made that, um, clear to us that in specific workouts, they'll say, we're doing this workout. Why are we doing this workout? What are the components of this one that are going to help you when it comes to that conference time? And, um, those big meets, um, and just taking like the specifics of each workout, um, and how we're, what we're talking about every day before practice. And that's all just been building towards the end of the season. And so I think, um, that's, yeah, that's really been the coaches have played a huge part in, um, just guiding us to, um, what the end of the season looks like versus the beginning. And then as far as how the team's like grown over the last few years, it's been so exciting seeing bigger and bigger um, recruiting classes. Um, This is by far the biggest that the team has been. Um, I wasn't around three or four years ago, but because Ruthie was, I remember coming to some meets and stuff and the coaches and 
the upperclassmen have been have been saying lately, like, remember when we had four or five people on the team? <laughs> um, and we look around and we go, what? Because as, with guys and girls, I think there's almost 40 of us this really? year. Um, and so it's just so exciting um, having that many faces and that much talent. And everyone, the excitement this year is really just um, everyone's been feeding off each other. And um, it's just really like a great atmosphere to be in this year. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I'm, that's crazy to think that, I mean, the team has grown, like, I mean, through ability, they've gotten mm-hmm. a lot better, but also numbers wise, they've, yeah. you know, I've talked with Dr. Buns and it's grown exponentially for yeah, sure. Absolutely. So with the NCAA Central Region Championship is just over a week away, uh, does your training change at all within these next 10 days? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our coaches are kind of um, the way that they their style is to really um, peak for our last meet, and some some teams put more of an emphasis on the conference meet, um, and they would definitely I think um, our team tends to perform best at the regional meet, which um, is the qualifying one for nationals, and so that I think is really um, really the way to do it um, that we were able to have our best performances ever at the conference meet but we're still we're still looking up for regionals um that should be the best one yet and it definitely um a lot changes in these last two weeks before um regionals in terms of mileage goes down um intensity of the workouts goes up um we're doing a lot more speed and then just talking about honing in on kind of some um mental uh aspects of racing and what we're really looking here for here at the end of the season um so a lot, definitely, the preparation is a lot different than for early season meets when we're still kind of uh, tired and running on heavy legs and a lot of um, a lot of mileage. We don't really pause for those meets too much, um, but definitely um, bulk and intensity goes down um, here right before the meet. So we're going to have really fresh legs, but it's a, it's, a, it's a completely different feeling than at the start of the season. Um, but... Yeah, it should set us up for the best one yet. For sure. What kind of, I mean, I'm a sports psychology major, so you mentioned the mental side. That's really important. I know I ran cross country for a year, and it, I was terrible at it. It was so hard, so I tons of credit to you guys. But I remember the mental side being a really big part of it. Yeah. You can kind of attest to what, how does your mental side impact your performance? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's been one of the best parts of this year for me. Just um, I think I've come at it kind of from a different place mentally than I was last year. Um, For me personally, everything was so new last year. And I put a lot of pressure on myself. And um, that kind of showed in some some workouts and some races where I got a lot too uptight about it. And I was in my head um, and just needing to relax more. And so... Um, the coaches have really been um, working with the whole team this year, but um, for me personally on more of the relaxing side of it um, and concentrating really on what I'm doing every second during the race versus the big picture or the outcome. Um, and something that the coaches said to us the night before conference that really stuck out to me was we've been talking so much about outcomes and places and times and um, those end goals but while you're in the race, you can't be thinking about that. You have to be thinking about what the second that you're in right there, um, what you're doing right in the moment, um, because you're just not going to have as good a, of a performance if you're um, caught up with the end goal the whole time. Um, and so that's something that's helped a lot. Um, 
really just like you said, cross country, the main mental aspect is just how hard can you push yourself? And that's something that you're never going to get there. You're never going to like 100% Mm -hmm. um, master it. And so um, that's just something that we work on a little bit every day with, um, did you push a little harder than yesterday? Did you, um, were you able to stay relaxed through that, um, um, the toughness of it, um, that kind of thing. So yeah, in these, in these last few weeks, it especially becomes more and more about everyone's fit. Now we're all ready to race, but where can you get that little edge now, um, with your mentality? Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. I think, like you said, the mental side is a huge part of racing. So there's a small gap between the cross country season and the indoor track season, right? Yeah. Yep. What do you do for that gap? Do you kind of take it easy and let your body heal or do you prepare and keep running for track? Yeah. Well, right after um, we're done with the cross country season, we do get two weeks without practice. It's the only time um, in the entire school year that we do not have practice every single uh, weekday. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's definitely a much needed break. Um, and we've been, after the outdoor track season, we do take two weeks off of running. Um, and so um, I think I started my summer training up about either the, I think it was the last week of May. Um, and since then, we've just been building and building and building in terms of mileage and workouts and everything. And so it's really been, it's been quite a few months and it's been a long haul of not really any big breaks. Um, and so the coaches always um, emphasize how important that break right after the season is before we hop into indoor track um, that you need time for your body to fully recover from the whole long season. Um, and there's there's been a lot of nagging injuries on the team um, at, already at this point. And so um, that rest is really necessary to recover from cross country before we jump into track because after we start for track, um, you're not done until May. And that it's, again, kind of a long building process. And so um, we do take those two weeks pretty seriously of resting and just recovering um but then right after that we'll hop right into training again and then we'll be racing um as soon as we come back from christmas break wowzers that's a it's a lot of running (laughs) but so uh i've heard the team does some community service on some of their longer trips like you guys went down south was it a week ago two weeks ago and you, uh, Kansas, yeah. Kansas, yeah. And you guys did some community service. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about that, what yeah. that's been like? I think that's um, a really special part of our team, actually. It's something that um, our coach, uh, JB, has been um, doing for a long time now with the team, that when they travel for meets, um, we have kind of – we usually have a couple extra hours in the middle of the day um, before we go to the course to kind of preview it and run that. Um, and so instead of just sitting around in the hotel, he finds, um, some kind of community service for us to do. And we've done a big variety. Um, we've been in some homeless shelters and cleaning. We've been in some, uh, food shelf. We've helped with organizing that. We, this year we were, um, when we went down to Kansas, we were at a VA, VA hospital, veterans hospital. Um, and that was really cool. And then this past week with conference, we got to go in, into an elementary school, um, kind of just be in the classroom with the kids, play with them during recess. Um, and I think that's just a really special part of the team and a testament to the values that our coaches have and how they're um, not just trying to develop us as the best runners that possible, but um, just more of seeing it as like a lifelong thing too and developing us as people. And it just brings the team a lot closer together too. And one cool thing was um, 
uh, JB's been at this for a while with his teams having them do community service. Um, and uh, apparently a few years ago, um, another team in the conference heard about it and they, they asked him, could, could that become like a, a part of the conference meet that teams have the option to go do a community service project together okay. and make that more available for all the other teams, not just something that you do with yours. Um, and so the fact that he kind of started that, I think that's an amazing legacy for him. For sure. Um, now when we went for, um, conference last week, there were a few other teams that I think some of them were in the same school we were. And then there were a couple other opportunities in the, um, in the community as well. And I think that speaks to, um, just the values that the running community as a whole holds. Um, and then just the legacy that, um, JB has left as well, which I think is, um, a really cool thing. Yeah, that is really cool. Props to your coaches for doing yeah, that. That's absolutely. awesome. So when your running career here at CSP is finished, what do you plan on doing? Um, well, I'm an accounting major right now at CSP, um, and so I'd like to work in a CPA firm, um, pass my CPAs, all that. Um, so that's kind of my professional plans. Um, I'd like to go into audit. I'm not really sure what kind of firm I want to be at yet, but um, I... In, in terms of running, um, I don't think I'll be running competitively anymore, but I'm excited to kind of get to try um, some other things that are like that. Like, I've never done a triathlon, but I think that would be the coolest thing. Um, I would love to do a marathon. That's absolutely on my bucket list. Okay. Some of those kinds of things. So I'm obviously it's a couple of years down the road and I'm not, not ready to be done yet, but I'm also, um, when the time comes, excited to try some other um, things that are kind of related, but a little bit different. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cara. That's all I have for you. So I want to thank you for coming on the show and uh, best of luck at the regional competition. Thank you so much. Rounding up the rest of this week in Golden Bear Athletics, tomorrow the women's basketball team tips off their season against non-conference opponent Harding University in Kansas, but it will be played in Kansas City, Missouri. That will will be one of two as they will face off against Washburn University on Saturday. Friday's game will tip off at 7.30, and Saturday's game will air at 5.30. Along with the women's basketball team, the football team will have their regular season game, their final regular season game of the year as they head to Winona to take on the Warriors of Winona State. If the Golden Bears were to record the win, it would be the first winning season for CSP since 2011. So best of luck to Coach Courier and his squad. That kicks off at 1. The busy Saturday in Golden Bear Athletics continues as the men's basketball team hosts Arkansas Monticello for their season opener in the GC. That starts at 2. They also host Arkansas Tech in the GC on Sunday for a matchup that also starts at 2. I want to congratulate Coach Bellis and the women's soccer team on a fantastic season. The team had four players named to the All-NSIC team with seniors Jordan Rowan Stafford and Jade Weller being named first team, as well as Emily Nelson for being named as an honorable mention. And a special shout-out to my partner in Dr. Cushman's World Religions course, sophomore Helly Bars for being named NSIC third team. The volleyball team also was awarded with some all-NSIC honors, as Brooklyn Lewis, Sarah Mosick, Elizabeth Moore, and Hope Schiller were all named all-NSIC first team. Tori Hansen was named all-NSIC second team. This week's CSP Athletes of the Week are a pair of sophomores and Chris Garrett and who else other than Carl Lindbergh, our guest for today's show. 
Garrett had his Wheaties this past weekend as he recorded four sacks, which accounted for a total of 32 yards lost. He now leads the country in sacks per game and has registered 19 sacks in his 16 career games. His performance placed him as the NSIC's Defensive Player of the Week and D2 Football's Defensive National Player of the Week. Kara, as I said earlier, broke the school record for a 6K and placed 27th out of 140 competitors in the NSIC championship race. Along with breaking the school record, she improved her PR by a whopping 28 seconds. I want to recognize Jonas Schenderlein for being named NSIC Special Teams Player of the Week for making three field goals from a distance of 53 yards, 28 yards, and 52 yards. His 50-plus yard field goals were the 5th and 8th longest in D2 this year, giving him now 3 of the three of the eight longest field goals in the country. But before I let you go, November 7th through the 13th is Co-SID Membership Recognition Week. With that, I want to give a huge thank you to Josh Deere, Patrick Rydeen, as well as their graduate assistants, Mary Claire Couliard and Cole Schistler. Without them, I know the podcast and everything at CSP Athletics could not happen. So thank you so much. That's all I've got for you. Thank you for tuning in this week's episode, and I hope to see you next week. Best of luck to all the athletes competing this weekend. See ya!